Okay, um, this morning I studied, and I'm going to read, you know the Genesis, the fall of mankind in Genesis, the third chapter. We don't have to go into that's the first six verses. But by the time we have Christ asking each one, when he asked Adam, of course, he asked Adam, what did you do? And again, right, the blame game, right? That's the first thing about, about not having proper authority and being deceived. It's somebody's fault. And really, what it goes back to is just the satanic lie. It's not Satan's fault. It's God's fault. <laughs> Boy. And when it's God's fault, now you've got to act as your own authority. Okay, so we, have, so we have here, we have here, what happened? So, Adam, what happened to you? Well, God, it was the woman that you gave me. There you go. It's not, it's not blaming the woman. He's blaming God. Then he asked the woman, uh, Eve, Eve, and now in the 13th verse, the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. Basically, it's couched in the Hebrew, but he's basically saying, you know that gorgeous animal that you created? It deceived me, it beguiled me. So uh, it's not me, God. In other words, you know, I don't want to be responsible and accountable. Don't be responsible and accountable to God. Live in a lie and make yourself or someone else or some other system to be the responsibility and accountability that you don't even have in yourself. You have no authority. So the bottom line is this. She said, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. Here's the Hebrew word. It's nasha, N-A-S-H-A. And it's a primitive root. And this is what it means, to lead astray. To be led astray by a false authority, to lead astray. Mentally, listen, mentally, and here's, this, is, this is where the mind, the emotions, the will, the self-consciousness, and the conscious get involved. Mentally, to delude. To delude, or morally now, morally, now you're getting into morals, right? And the actual behavior as a result of what went on in the, uh, the five parts of the soul that we just mentioned by the grace of God means to seduce, right? Just like, just like the enemy does today. If you can't seduce young men to live in sexual activity outside of marriage with women, he'll get him to do it with men. He will do anything that he can. He'll, he'll, his timing is accurate. The, his place is accurate. He knows. He knows. So that word nasha or nasha <laughs> means deceive 12 times. 12 times. 12 different times. That is literally what that word is saying. So now we get to Genesis 29. When we have Jacob, and he, and he was really after uh, Rachel, and he had to serve her, her dad, and how he, he did de deceptive things when he served him, and the amount of time that they both agreed, and he said that he was going to give Rachel to him. Who did he give him? He gave him Leah, right? Be careful. Young people, don't be so hurried to get into relationships. The enemy might just give in you you may have a desire that God gave you for a Rachel, and the enemy's got who for you? Right? Leah. He didn't want Leah. No, he did not. And so in, in uh, Genesis 29, 28, and Jacob did so and fulfilled 
fulfilled her week. And he gave him, Rachel, his daughter. But first, what? First, what did he do? It came to pass in verse 25 and 24. And Laban gave his daughter Leah, Zilpah, his, his maid for a handmaid. It came to pass that in the morning it was said, it was, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, what is this that you've done? Did I not serve you for Rachel? Wherefore have you then beguiled me? What, what are you doing? Okay, that word beguiled there is, and, and I'm going to do it in the Hebrew again, it is Ramah, R-A-M-A-H. This is a primitive root, and this is what the word beguiled means. It literally means to hurl, to, to, to shoot, to throw something. Now remember... And we're almost done here. Remember that before Satan fell, in, 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 in Ezekiel 28, verse 15, it says he was perfect in all his ways, which was obedience, right, till iniquity was found in him. Now, up until that point, before he fell, he was Lucifer, son of the morning. Then he became Shatan, or Satan, the adversary and an opponent of God and, of course, of man. Now, but before he fell... There was only one will. That's it. There was only one will. Now, let's look at 1 Corinthians 14, 33. For God is not the author of confusion. Listen, there's no confusion in God's will. He's the only authority. Right? God is not the author of confusion, but of life and peace. Of course, that has to do with us. Christ is our life, Colossians 3, 4. Christ is our peace in Ephesians 2, verse 14. So, for... 1 Corinthians 14, 40, God does all things decently and in order, openly and in order. They're open and in order. No question about it. But when he fell, there became two wills. Now, there was only one will, one force, which was love, which is God operating in his love and in justice. Still, never separate justice from love. You can't do that. Okay? With all his other attributes. Okay, his nature and his attributes and form is brought out in Exodus 34 and verse 6. So we see him, uh, there was only one will. Now, when Satan fell, there became two wills. There was only one will, one force, force, and one function. When he fell, when he fell and took a third of the stars of heaven in Revelation 12 verse 4, which is brought out in type very clearly, an innumerable host of angels. Of course, and then he came in and deceived mankind through Eve and, and through a lack, obviously, in Adam and through a role reversal there, as we've taught in, in Genesis 3, 1 to 6. He deceived them. So now there became two wills, two forces, looking in something or someone to function in and through. Okay? So, Rama, primitive root to hurl, it means to shoot, and figuratively, it means to delude or betray as if causing a fall. Boy, we get a great picture when Jesus said in John 10, verse 10, the A part, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But thank God he came that we might have life, and we do have it in him, and more abundantly. And that's the part that's really missing and the Reformation teaching, the more abundant life. 
very, very missing, although I do thank God for those men that he used, of course. So it's, it's to delude or betray as if causing a fall. Deceived, four times that Hebrew word it means deceived. Two times it means beguiled. Listen to this. Two times it means to throw, thrown, to throw down. To throw down. Boy, when Christ is not our authority and he becomes our false authority, he wants to throw us down. There's no other purpose that he does it than to throw us down. And in one, one sense, it means to betray. So that word, Rama is used again in Genesis 29, 25, and it's used again in Joshua chapter 9 and verse uh, 22. So you can look that up. Now, here is Colossians chapter 2 as we wrap this up. Colossians chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 1. Now listen to what it says. For I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you. Look at that one. Think about that. Okay, pastor teachers that are rightly related through being connected to their head in every area as much as they know. If that life that, that Christ is is going to flow through that man, and by the way, there's no such thing as women pastors. It's always masculine, singular, Jeremiah 3.15, Ephesians 4.11, both in the Hebrew and the Koine Greek, it's masculine, singular. Okay, very clear. But when they do that, when men function under Christ and Christ is pouring his life, his authority through the vessel, that man is going to experience great conflict. Why? Did Christ? Did they hate him without a cause in John 15, 18? They, if they, he said, that's 25, by the way. 15, 18, if they hated me first, they're going to hate you. Okay, they hated him. They rejected him. Okay, vast second, and you can't even, we can't even fathom the vastness of the second was the Apostle Paul. That man was hated. Christ was hated. He was hated. They said again in John 18, 40, not this man. They cried out, kill him, crucify him in John 19, 15. Same thing with Paul. The moment he received Christ and Christ began to use him immediately, he had to be let down on a wall over a wall in a basket, because now the Jews, who he was, who he was in, in a lot of senses, their ringleader, now wanted to kill him. What great conflict I have for you. That's the thing at times when we're not focused on Christ, when we focus on ourselves, when we're in the midst of spiritual warfare in Ephesians 6, 10 to 18, that's when we want to quit. Yeah, and like, what are we going to quit to? Huh. Well, this great conflict that I have for you and for them that are at Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, in my body, person to person, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding and to the acknowledging of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. In whom, who, where are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge hid? And our one true authority, Christ. And this is what it says in verse 4. And this I say to you. In other words, he's saying it's Christ. He's your authority. He's my authority, Paul's saying. He's your authority. Yes, men. He's given authority connected to Christ 
for that life to be imputed and imparted, ha- that man has to be under Christ as his head in Colossians 1.18 and 2.19, yes. Then the life flows. What's been imputed to the Christian, if they have received Christ, is now imparted to them through the preaching and teaching, the flow of the life of Christ through him. Because that's where all it's hid. Where's it hid from? The system. Where's it hid from? Pride. Pride. Read Isaiah uh, 45 and verse 5. This I say in Colossians 2, 4, lest any man should beguile. Did you hear that? It says any man. Any man. Unsaved or saved. Any man. No matter how that man might be taught, if he's not connected to his head, he's not. In, in, any, in, in those areas, he, he, he should beguile you. With what? Enticing words. Right? God said, write it down. I said, okay, I'll write it down. That enemy, Satan, will use any man he can at any time or any place. And that includes believers too, by the way, that live in deception, that live in denial, that live in the world. Okay? It's not what we say that teaches people and is our testimony. It's how we live. And Christ is our life. Now, beguile here, lest any man should beguile you. It's paralogizomai. It is from this. It's from the Greek word para, P-A-R-A. It's a primary. Notice that, very important. It's a primary preposition, which means near. Satan will get as near to you as you allow him to do. He can't possess, but he will get as near to you as he can Get. He'll get near to you, right? And it, now, I'm going to give you, that's a preposition, right? If you don't know what a preposition is, you can look it up in any dictionary or any grammatical uh, work. And then it says, this word para, which means near, when it's with a genitive, and a genitive speaks of a source. In the Greek, it's genitive. It's some source, Right? Source, where the genitive means from, beside. (laughs) From, beside. And and that means literally or figuratively. And how much of false teaching, how close can he get with his false teaching? Right? Literally or figuratively. Then it's with the dative. And the dative in the Greek always speaks of advantage or disadvantage. Of course, in this case, it's, of course, disadvantage. It's with the dative, it means at or in the vicinity of. Speaks of an object or a subject. Now, here with the accusative, what's the accusative? The accusative in its general meaning always has the case of extension. You're going to keep it going with the accusative. And it means to the proximity with or local that any area that he can get. And that's what Paul was saying. The Holy Spirit through him, I should say, in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. <laughs> you don't have any authority over yourself. You can't take the word of God without knowing the things of Christ and being submitted to him in humility and dependence, not thinking you know anything without him. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. They're explosive, they're dunamis, they're powerful, they're explosive through God. What? 
Casting down imaginations, and that's reasonings. False, deleted, deluded reasonings and thoughts from a thought force, from a will that seeks to be a function in and through us. And that's what it's saying here, even in a greater sense. But especially that word means beyond or opposed to. Listen, he wants to take you beyond Christ. In other words, to miss him. He wants to take you. He can't keep you from going to heaven. He's going to do everything he can to keep you on earth deceived and confused and miserable. And he has his teachers too, by the way. And listen to me. Listen, by the grace of Almighty God, the seminaries are full of them. I'm not saying there's not some that are good, but they're still in the system. That's marked. Again, that's marked in the Word of God. Also, it's, it's, it's causal. Did you hear that? That word para? It's causal. There's a cause behind it. Okay? Satan, in one sense, is he a cause or just an evil effect? That's what he is. And boy, does he want to affect and infect us as, as those that are Christ. So it's causal, or it means on account of. And then it's also that word paralogizomai is from logizomai, which is now a middle voice. Now, what is the middle voice in the Greek? Now, the passive voice is always the voice of grace. You don't do anything. You, God, when Adam fell, he didn't take away his free will, his means of receiving. He didn't take it away. All we can do is receive things we don't deserve. That's grace. Mercy is God not giving us things that we do deserve, so God can come in and give us grace, those things that we don't deserve. They all have to do with Christ. It's brought out in type in Psalm 85, 10, and 11. Now, this is what it says. It's middle voice. Middle voice, so that's passive. You don't do anything. So like in the positive sense, now I begin through humility and dependence and obedience, I begin to operate with my free will, with that grace. Now I'm doing it with it. It's middle. I'm beginning to participate. But it's still, it's all grace. That's middle voice. But here in this sense, the middle voice, of course, is in the very negative sense. The ne- from what? It's the middle voice from logos. You know, logos is a word. You know, you don't have a word without reasoning. You don't have any reasoning without a thought. That's the correlation of it. You see that? That is the correlation. So, that's what it's saying there. It's saying this. It's something said. It's something thought. It's a word. And it literally means to take inventory. And don't you think that the enemy doesn't know us better than we know ourselves in its fallen nature? And he can take inventory, knowing the time, the place to, do, to, to come in most effectively in the areas where we don't have that shield up, the shield of faith in Ephesians 6.16, meaning we're not taught, or we are taught, and we don't submit to it. And it means this, estimate. He can estimate right where we're at when we're functioning outside of Christ. He knows when, he knows when we, we are, and he can't touch us. 1 John 5, 18, the wicked one touches us not. means position, but also goes into experience. He does not touch us. He knows how to estimate. 
Is he everywhere present? No. But he has a multitude of demons under his, under his leadership, under his false authority, and they are everywhere. And the Bible says, again, you can't number them. Have fun with that one outside of Christ. Oh, my God. Okay? To estimate. To take an estimate. That's why it says in James 4, 6, right? What does it say there? God resists the proud, but he gives more grace. My zona Karim, greater grace to those that his plan has humbled. Then it says, therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, then he'll flee. You know what that's saying? You put Christ between you and the devil, he'll flee. If you don't know him, it's just you against him. And then in some form, you're going to end up participating in middle voice with his nonsense. Or trying to struggle with it. That's why Jesus said in Mark 4, 24, be careful what you hear. Be careful. Don't just, you know, it's Christian. It's got to be right. I can read all these books and get all this stuff. No. Read, read Ecclesiastes, the 12th chapter. Much study, the wrong study, wearies the flesh. And then in Daniel 7, verse 25, he'll speak great words against the Most High to wear out the saints. To wear them out. So, submit yourself, therefore, to God, and he will flee from you. Then you draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. You'll cleanse your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded. The system will say, first you, since since Jesus died for you, you have to clean your hands, and you have to stop being double-minded. Then you can draw near to him, then he'll draw near to you. It doesn't say that in James 4, 8. That is a role reversal. That is the system. Will you get all the other nonsense again? Covenant theology, mixing law with grace, dues with receive, lordship salvation, one naturism, evil. Covenant theology with Christ, evil, evil. So it means to reckon, logizomai, to reckon, whether by calculation or imputation. Oh boy. Look at that. You don't think he can calculate? An evil genius. Do we, do we think we even understand the evil in the world like that bastard does? No. He can calculate it. He'll keep it hidden from you. He will keep it hidden from you. Just enough so it will destroy you. Because he calculates. Because he wants to impute it to you. Put it to your account and then make you guilty and condemn you because of it. And of course, in Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ. So as we wrap it up, paralegizomai means to deceive by false reasoning. It means to misreckon. means to delude. It means to reckon wrong, to reason wrongly or falsely. And it's from power, as we said, from a miss. You're a miss. You're missing the mark. Para. Because he's beside you and you're thinking. Logizomai to reason. Again, it even says in 1 Timothy 6, 20, oppositions of science, falsely so-called, which is from the Greek word gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S, which means knowing, or, and by implication, it means the act or action of knowing. And then it goes into knowledge. That's what it goes into. So, and we'll close with this one. Here is 1 Timothy 3, uh, 1 to 6, very quickly. This is a true saying. If a man, notice that? A man, 
a male, desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. A man, a bishop, then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, who could have two anyway, just kidding, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. Apt to teach means highly skillful in the word of God. Not given to wine, no striker. Oh. No, not greedy of filthy lucre, doing things for money, but patient, not a brawler, uh, not covetous, one that rules well his own house. Whew. Leaders, pastors, one that rules well his own house because he's being ruled by proper authority. Whew. He's not a despot. God, a husband demands a wife to do certain things. Oh, boy. That's like a man running around with diapers on. <laughs> one that rules his own house, having his children in subjection and with all gravity, all sincerity and all soberness. And, and for if a man not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice. Lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Right? What did he do to the woman? He beguiled her. Followed all the way down to the end of the chapter. He beguiled her. Okay? And we're going to stop there. We'll have to go into this a little more. But there's so much more to this in the scriptures. And uh, we'll, we'll stop there and possibly maybe we'll finish this uh, Tuesday if God so wills. So, Father, thank you. Uh, bless this time in the Word. And, Father, I ask that you just uh, would make these things to be so real in our experience, as we submit our wills to you, we surrender our wills completely to you. We give ourselves over to prayer. In Acts 6.4, we live in humble, dependent obedience to experience the authority of your love, Father. And, and just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.